0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Behind Enemy Lines. I'm your host, Alejandro Suniga here from the Michigan Insider, michigan.247sports.com. I know a lot of you already have your eyes on next week, next Saturday at noon, Michigan, Ohio State. I know a lot of you have your eyes on, I guess, the the district court or the county court here in Ann Arbor as Michigan faces the Big Ten and and Jim Harbaugh tries to get himself unsuspended. But Michigan does play a football game this weekend, and it's it's an important one. It's a chance for the program to win number 1,000, uh, first program in college football to do that. As Jim Harbaugh so eloquently said this week, first program of any kind. Um, no NFL team has 1,000 wins. No high school football team has 1,000 wins, at least if his research is correct, and it's another opportunity for Michigan to remain undefeated, uh, to potentially go back-to-back undefeated regular seasons. That's something that that would be pretty remarkable, uh, quite frankly, given what Michigan football was in 2020 and what Michigan football was before Jim Harbaugh arrived. So in this show, I'll be talking to an insider from the Maryland Terrapins, talking to Wes Brown, who covers The Terps for Inside MD Sports, part of our 24-7 Sports Network. And then at the end, as we always do, we'll be talking Ohio State with Patrick Murphy, who covers them for Bucknuts. He's also going to give us his take, uh, what he saw from that Michigan-Penn State game, as both programs are on a collision course for November 25th. It's a fun episode. They're all fun episodes, but, you know, it's getting real. It's November. It's mid-November. The leaves are gone, the skies are gray, and a championship will be won very, very soon. Here's my conversation with Wes Brown previewing Michigan-Maryland. The Michigan football team has a chance to attain its 1,000th win this weekend when the Wolverines travel to our nation's capital or right outside it to face the Maryland Terrapins. Uh, I've got Wesley Brown. Uh, Wes Brown covers Maryland for Inside MD Sports, part of our 24-7 sports network. And Wes, it feels like it's been the same story basically every year for Maryland, right? And this year sort of embodies that, that they start the year very hot with a few impressive wins, maybe getting some national attention, and then it all sort of falls apart. Uh, this year, Maryland started 5-0 and even like five and a half, you could say, because that sixth game was at Ohio State. Maryland was up 10-0. It was 10-10 at halftime. Then they took the lead 17 to 10. and then Ohio State comes storming back to win, and Maryland proceeds to lose that in the next three games in the Big Ten. Uh, get, got back to their winning ways last week uh, against uh, against Nebraska, excuse me, on the road there, 13 to 10, a field goal to win it. Uh, But at this point, they stand six and four bowl eligible for the third straight year, but three and four in the Big Ten, another year where it felt like it could have been a bit more, uh, but still not, you know, still not entirely disappointing. Uh, So, so Wes, what's this year been like uh, covering another year of a Mike Loxley, Maryland? And what's I guess what's the program's trajectory as the Big Ten is changing dramatically in just a few months?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of like you mentioned there, sort of the the same old, same old with the you know, the, the rise and fall. Um this year, I guess, sort of maybe hit a little harder because people were, you know, expecting more of that positive trajectory, you know, last year of uh, Tilia Tangovailoa. Um, you know, furthermore, you know, Josh Gaddis, his offensive coordinator, instead of Dan Enos, and then um, just all the pieces seemed to be there, and the schedule seemed to line up for what could have been an eight win, nine win, maybe you pull off an upset, it's a 10 win regular season, but instead you, you know, drop two very winnable games to Illinois and Northwestern, um, and then, you know, like you said, very close against Ohio State, but then not so much against Against Penn State there, so um, getting the win against Nebraska was huge, just in terms of getting that bowl eligibility. Um, it's the first time since the, the mid two thousand they've they reached three bowl games in a row. So, um, big picture, the trajectory is still obviously up, and the program's obviously still growing and, and doing well. Um, but for a lot of people who maybe had higher expectations, it's it's been sort of a, a letdown kind of year.
0: Well, beating a Michigan uh, is is a way to reframe those expectations or, or reframe what the season has been uh and certainly if if the terps want to pull off an upset at home it's going to start with their talented quarterback and and talia tungavailoa i was looking through and just remembering the quarterbacks michigan has faced this year and it's like let's face it it's been a down year for quarterback playing the big 10 everyone knows the the non-conference schedule that michigan played is not you know, they they didn't face any power five teams. Uh, and while UNLV has been good uh and bowling green hasn't been bad, it's not at the level of of, you know super high echelon college football playoff teams. Uh so Talia Tungavailoa, I, I think, is probably one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten. I think is the best, uh most well-rounded quarterback at this time that Michigan has faced this year, potentially will face uh this regular season. Uh he's got a good arm. He's a mobile quarterback. He, he he can do damage on the ground. He's a veteran, right? He has been around the game for a while. Uh, still a bit mistake prone, but this year, 65% completion percentage, uh, 2,700 plus yards at 7.4 yards per pop, 22 touchdowns, eight interceptions. And when the game needs to be won, they put it on his shoulders, right? I was You mentioned that Penn State game. Uh, Maryland ran the ball like single digit number of times. Uh Talia throws the ball 37 and a half times per game, uh, but they will put the game on his shoulders. So, so Wes, as you've seen him as a quarterback now in College Park for several years, how has he taken that next step this year? Where are the areas that he still struggles?
1: Yeah, I mean, part of it is, you know, you you, you sort of think maybe he's he's hit that ceiling. He he could just be a good college quarterback. Um, you know, a lot of people always seem to look at the the pro potential and and things like that. Um, but yeah, kind of like you said, Maryland, Maryland has been putting the game, you know, on his shoulders. Um, Loxley has always talked about, you know, balance and, you know, a lot to a lot of people, you know, outside the game that usually looks at pass attempts versus rush attempts. But, um, what, what Loxley's, you know, really hit home this year consistently is balance isn't attempts. It's just the the strategy and the way you use it. So they are throwing the ball a lot more, putting, putting the ball in his hands to to win games, to come back, to to keep leads, um, but trying to make sure they rush the ball enough that, you know, that can still be a surprise and he can still hit things. So um, he, he's still, you know, mistake prone and, and things sort of get in his head sometimes. Sometimes there's collapses um, early in the season. You know, they, they went down uh, 14-0 to uh, UVA and Charlotte. Uh, but he was able to bounce back and, and get those wins, um, not necessarily, you know, quality teams, Big Ten opponents or anything like that. But, you know, he's shown a little bit of growth in in those areas, um, obviously collapse, you know, a little bit against Ohio State there at the end. And, um, you know, he, I, the, the one key thing with him is I think he's still looking for that signature win. You know, he hasn't knocked off, you know, Ohio State, Michigan or Penn State, you know, in in, in his time here, really. Um, when, it, when it's been, you know, sort of an upset scenario. But, um, you know, the, and with this being senior day at home, it's kind of his, his final chance to try and try and get a win like that. But um, there's not many quarterbacks you'll see play college, you know, at this level this long, uh, three full Big Ten seasons plus a COVID year. Um, so, you know, Terp fans are definitely getting, you know, they're, 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 they're very quickly going to realize how special it's been to have him as a quarterback, um, especially in this league
0: it's like the, the Sean Clifford effect at Penn state, right. Is, yeah. uh, yeah, there's always the, the backup quarterback at any program or any, you know, any institution or any franchise in the NFL, the backup quarterback on a team that people feel isn't reaching his potential is always the most popular person. Um, but you've got to appreciate what you have. And I think Penn state fans to some extent, uh, are realizing that with Drew Aller this year, uh, but it's still a very talented passing attack uh, that the Terps have. It is the fourth best uh, offense and points per game in the big 10. That's just behind Michigan, Ohio state and Penn state third best uh, total offense. So that's yards per game uh, behind the Buckeyes in Michigan. And of course it's the passing attack. Uh, that's, you know, the most dangerous of, of the two options, I suppose, uh, second best passing offense behind the Buckeyes and, for Michigan, for that defense, for fans who already have half an eye on November 25th and what's going to be a, a Big Ten East deciding game, it feels like this is a very good ramp up or, you know, test run, whatever you want to call it. I actually asked a couple of Michigan players this after practice yesterday and uh, veteran safety Quinton Johnson told me, listen, it's not like this is a practice run or anything because we give Maryland the, the respect that they well deserve and that they've earned. Uh, but they recognize that this is the next best test uh, in terms of uh, certainly aerial attack that Michigan has faced this year. Uh, you've got Josh Gaddis as offensive coordinator, uh, former uh, former offensive coordinator at Michigan, of course, uh, won the Broyles Award here before a stint at Miami. Uh, and in terms of receivers and tight ends, uh, Deshaun Jones, a graduate student, he's been at the program for a while as well. Ty Felton, Caden Prather, uh, who transferred from West Virginia a couple of years ago, uh, and uh, tight end Corey Deiches, he gets the ball uh, quite a bit as well through the passing game. Maryland has 22 22 plays, 22 passing plays of 25 yards or more this year. This ranks up pretty high uh, in the Big Ten. So, uh, Wes, with with all of that, I, I suppose what has... Josh Gaddis been like as an offensive coordinator at Maryland reuniting uh, with Mike, Lox- Mike Loxley Mike and who are those names, you know, who are those game breakers uh, in in that passing attack?
1: yeah. um it, it's, it's interesting because Maryland fans, you know, really didn't necessarily like the play calling that that Danny knows provided. um re- re- really kind of thought that Josh Gaddis coming in would kind of, you know make the make the difference there um in, in helping them win a few more of these games being a little bit more electric. but um, There have been some sort of, you know, miscommunications, let down kind of things. Um, the Terps have really kind of struggled in short yardage situations, Um, despite having, you know, a a, a big running back in, in Antoine Littleton who should be able to just plow through the line. But um, they've really seemed to struggle in short yardage, not wanting to, you know, rush Talia right up the middle, you know, in, in any sort of tush push or anything. They literally at the beginning of the season were bringing in their backup quarterback to go do that um So you know it, it's been kind of iffy on some of the play call, but I mean in general, like like, like you mentioned, you know Tilly is able to to spread the ball around. They've got a ton of receivers, you know, who who have done a lot of damage this year. um Caden Prather has been the guy who's kind of been you know the the best addition coming over from West Virginia. Uh, local athlete left and came back, um but you know he's he's done really well. Um, he had a huge catch last week. They had a, they had a third and long that that was created because of a, a penalty. Um, but he Krathor was able to to snag a ball that probably shouldn't have been caught by, by a lot of receivers there to, to to make the grab. So you know you have you have him who's a big body receiver on the outside. You got Corey Deitches, who's a, a a tight end but a former basketball player. You know, so they, they have athletes across the board um, that, that that are definitely able to to help out. but it, it'll definitely be interesting to see how you know Gattis and all that sort of you know comes together here at the end of the season, especially with a, a big test like this.
0: Yeah, and Michigan players are well aware that it is Josh Gaddis. Uh they know that you know, he, he was with this program not that long ago. And so he knows he knows a bit of what to expect uh from Michigan and, and they're prepared for anything. Um flipping to the defensive side of the ball, pretty middling all around, it seems, at least when I'm looking at the stats here. Uh Maryland is eighth in the Big Ten in scoring defense, ninth in total defense. Uh, not a whole lot that that super jumps out at me, uh, but again, this is a defense that that did hold down Ohio State for the better part of three quarters, uh, and honestly, like could have continued doing it had it not been for a Talia interception that felt like really changed the game there. So, so Wes, who are the players to know? Uh, what are the things to know about this Terps defense?
1: Yeah, so you know, similar, you know, just Maryland every year just has a lot of athletes um, just across the board. Um, Bo Braid, you know, senior, senior safety here, you know, he's pretty high up on, on mock boards for the the NFL draft this spring. Um, but you know, he's, he's just one of many, you know, you look at, you know, Dante Trader Jr., his safety partner, uh, dual sport lacrosse player here at Maryland, who's got, you know, two interceptions as well. Um, Jay Sean Barham, you know, is dropped down a little bit from the play he had last year as a freshman, but still a really key piece um so i mean there, there's just a lot of talent across the defense that can that can make plays um it's just a matter of all that coming together at the right time and you know they, they're they're giving up some points partially because of you know the turnovers are being put in in bad situations you know they're not necessarily just letting teams run over them um but you know it's about trying to find that that balance between defense and offense. But just generally speaking, um, they've done a really good job. You know, they've got really good, you know, defensive backs. You know, Tar Heap still as well with, with five interceptions this year. Uh, Jaquan Shepard transferred in from, from Cincinnati. Hasn't necessarily been at the same level that people maybe expected from the the all-8 AAC uh, player. But um, just a lot of talent that can make plays. Um, they've just kind of been waiting for that one game where everything sort of comes together.
0: Oh, this would be a great game for that to happen uh, if you are a Maryland Terrapins fan. Uh, the line, as I saw it this morning, was Michigan by 19. Uh, there's a few things that immediately jump out to me when I think Maryland or when I think about this game. And one of those is that Maryland, if I if I recall correctly, is one of the most penalized teams in the country. Um, Michigan has is one of the least penalized teams in the country, right? Michigan is a team that does not make mistakes, Um when you think about a road atmosphere in College Park, I expect there will be a good about good amount of Michigan fans there. It's a game that means a lot to Michigan uh, with a chance to win 1,000. But you know that Ohio State is right around the corner, and if there's you know if there's something that jumps out to me with with the Terps over the last few years, it's those games that they played close, say against Ohio State. I don't remember exactly what year that was, but but the week before the Michigan game. Uh, I remember seeing a lot of TVs uh, out on the golf course right by Michigan Stadium, tailgating and watching that game as it went down to the wire. So, Wes, as as Talia has a senior day, as you know, as Maryland has a chance to get this signature victory and potentially turn a a good but not great season into one that will be very very memorable. What are some keys for you uh, for this game, and how do you think this plays out on Saturday afternoon in College Park?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, kind of like I mentioned, just limiting the turnovers, you know, in, in games where it where doesn't have, you know, turnovers, you know, to, to the to the big extent, you know, you don't force the defense to do too much. Um, I, I feel like they, they've done a good job and and they have the ability to, you know, get this sort of win. Um, I, I was surprised to see that it was 20 and a half points when it when it came out and, and not necessarily surprised to see that, it, that it's dropped a little bit. Um, but yeah, I guess it, it just comes down to you know everything sort of coming together. Um, Maryland has the talent, you know, like Boxley said, you know, he's he's preached all year that is about playing to the standard and it's terps versus terps and and all these kind of mantras. But, um, like he, he said yesterday, you know, Maryland understands, you know, the players know they have the talent to compete in this game, they don't need to play. You know, to an extra level to to beat this this Michigan team, um, or really any team in the Big Ten, it's just a matter of playing the best that they can play. Um, and you know, senior day, last kind of chance for that. Um, you know, it, 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 you you mentioned the crowd; it'll be kind of interesting how that pans out because obviously, you know, Michigan travels well. You know, a lot of Big Ten fans will want to come to to this area. Uh, big noon kickoff, you know, in in College Park as well. Um, but also, they they canceled. Classes for Monday and Tuesday for Thanksgiving, so we, we don't know what the student turnout will be, even though they've been they've been great all year. Um, so a lot is up in the air. But you know, Loxley was asked about that yesterday, and also kind of said, "I don't care if as long as the scoreboard turns on and we have officials, we'll we'll, we'll be good." So um, you know, they they understand that they have what it takes to win this game. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them, you know, definitely cover that that nineteen number. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if this, you know, is a game that goes over that, that total of of 50 that came out, you know, with, you know, Michigan maybe running away at the end, if there's some mistakes and and Leah tries to do too much, but, um, I, I, I would, I would envision kind of a close game, at least at halftime. And then you kind of see, see where it goes from there.
0: Well, it was a close game in Ann Arbor last year, uh, in that big 10 opener that, uh, Stayed, stayed tight. Uh, You know, Maryland clawed back a bit at the end, but that was never a super comfortable game between the Terps and the Wolverines. One more, one more time uh, in the Big Ten East before it all gets blown up and and we add USC and UCLA and Oregon and Washington. And uh, this all looks very different. Going to be potentially a special day for Michigan. Going to be a fun day out, uh, out in College Park. My first time covering a game there. And yeah, the Michigan football team visited uh, DC over the summer and I had a great time. So I'm excited to go back there. Wes, thank you so much for taking us behind enemy lines. Thank you for giving us a preview of the Maryland Terrapins before this penultimate showdown of the regular season. I'll see you out in college park.
1: Yep. See you Saturday.
0: And we are back folks on the Michigan insider at Michigan.247 sports.com behind enemy lines. Turning our attention at the end of this show to the program that Michigan will turn its attention to at the end of the season, and that is coming up very, very soon, maybe single-digit days by the time you listen to this episode. It is the Ohio State Buckeyes who took care of business against Michigan State this past weekend to as as Michigan then took care of business on its own as well, all but setting up uh, the way it should be in my opinion a winner take all in a couple weeks so not this saturday but the next but we'll get there uh, i've got patrick murphy uh, who covers the buckeyes over at bucknuts part of our 24/7 sports network he's been a regularly occurring guest on this show and and patrick as i was watching when ohio state beat penn state a few weeks ago much of michigan was watching that game because of its implications on on the Big Ten race, on the college football playoff race, on, of course, the rivalry itself. I know you were watching Michigan-Penn State, that that game that Michigan took 24-15. to It was a long week uh, for the Michigan football program. It was a long, like 36 hours uh, for the program, and it culminated with that football game. So I just want to give you an open floor of what your perspective has been in watching what has transpired maybe on, on the field and off the field uh, for the Michigan football program.
2: For sure. Um, I mean, on the field, look, Michigan looked damn good on, on Saturday afternoon, you go to Penn state, uh, you're able to kind of bully ball the Penn state program that hadn't, you know, given up rushing yards like that um, had played really well at home. And you know, Michigan was easily the the better team in that game. Um, I know it it sort of pulls away late, but I thought the I don't think the final score is like anything outlandish based on what happened on the field on Saturday afternoon. Um, you know, I thought Michigan found what was working with the run game, took advantage of it, and was like, we don't need to do anything else, right? And that's that's impressive from the Wolverines, and especially given what you've said. <clears throat> Excuse me. excuse me have a cold um what you've said about the off the field stuff obviously losing Jim Harbaugh the announcement coming that morning so I think it's impressive that that the team has rallied the way that it has and that was the game everyone was watching to see how Michigan would respond to being tested for the first time this season and it looked like you know, one of the top, if not the top football team in the country. Um, Georgia certainly made its case. Uh, You know, I think you could even talk about some of the teams out West that that had some good games this week as well. Uh, But look, it's like you called it a a winner take all game at the end of this season. This is going to be a fun one. Um, You know, I think you've got two really good teams coming into that game. I think, um, you know, take the off the field stuff out of it it was always going to be a big game if these teams were undefeated and playing well, they both are. Then you add in kind of the the motivation by Michigan of losing Jim Harbaugh for these games, assuming that that holds up um, and, you know, kind of the drama that has ensued around all of that. And, you know, obviously Ohio state has its motivation as well, having lost the last two. So um, I think it's going to be once again, a, a battle of heavyweights up in Ann Arbor. And look, you, you said, almost single digit days. I hadn't even processed that yet. So uh, that got me excited for, for when we get to that day.
0: Yeah. It's uh, it, it's the tradition. It's the history. It's what, when you think Michigan, Ohio state, that's what it's shaping up to be. Yeah. And you know, when, from the team perspectives, of course they are, you don't you, know, you take it one day at a time, you know, all the cliches that, that you, that everyone has heard a billion times, Ohio state has Minnesota at home this week. Michigan goes on the road and faces Maryland. Uh, Michigan, this is potentially win number 1,000 for them uh, if they win at Maryland. So that's something that that matters to the program. Uh, but I think now that Ohio State has cleared its biggest hurdles, Michigan has cleared its biggest hurdle, uh, at least on the field uh, with Penn State, it does seem like we are getting on November 25th everything we wanted, uh, which is Michigan and Ohio State for a birth in the big 10 championship game for a birth in the college football playoff. Ohio state's in this spot right now, because as I mentioned, they, they handled Michigan state don't need to spend too much time on that game because quite frankly, Ohio state didn't spend a whole lot of time blowing it out. Uh, That game was 38 to three final score, 28 to three at halftime. Total yards were 530 to 182. The Buckeyes score touchdowns on five of their six first half possessions Kyle McCord, career-high 335 passing yards, three touchdowns, two of them to Marvin Harrison Jr., who also added a rushing touchdown. Cade Stover returned from his absence from the last couple weeks, and believes had a career-high in receptions, had a really solid game in the first half, which was the competitive portion of the game. Felt like between Marvin Harrison Jr., Cade Stover, and Trevion Henderson, just that three-headed beast was overwhelming uh, for the Spartans. Um, as you'd expect from Michigan state and, and what they've been this year. Uh, Defensively uh, Ohio state handled business. We'll point out that Tommy Eichenberg, Lathan ransom and Josh Proctor, three defensive players did miss the game. Ransom. It sounds like is a bit more of a longer term injury as we've talked about previously. Uh, But Patrick, any, any takeaways from a game that that wasn't quite that close, but seem to be a get right game uh for the offense after what's been an up and down year
2: yeah it what'll be interesting to see is can the offense, which looked as good this was the complete game that Ohio State really hadn't put together all season um in terms of the the offense playing consistently throughout second half they'd take their foot off the gas um you know a lot of the guys didn't play after the uh first drive of the second half um uh, but this was this was easily the best. All consistent display from the offense and specifically Kyle McCord. Now, can you carry that into next week and do it again against Minnesota? So then you're going into Ann Arbor with your back-to-back best complete games. Um, You mentioned the two injured or the three injured players for Ohio State on defense. Obviously, you'd like to get them back if they're healthy. Lathan Ransom, as you said, I still think he might be able to play up in Ann Arbor, but I wouldn't expect him back next week. Tommy Eichenberg and Josh Proctor. It sounds like both could play next week, but they may be cautious. Um, but, you know, having some guys step in, played well, um, you like to see that even if it is against a Michigan State offense that can't do much um, at all against a competent defense. So I thought it was uh, the type of performance Ohio State needed. Uh, you know, it was the only primetime night game at the shoe this year. Um, good crowd on hand. So the fact that they were able to go out and score early and kind of get everybody into it uh, was good to see. And then, In the second half, you're able to play a number of backups. I mean, even freshman quarterback Lincoln Keenholz um, got to get in there and and get his first college snaps, throw his first passes. Um, Ohio State didn't go to Devin Brown, who is the backup, but has been coming back from that ankle injury. So um, whether that was Devin Brown's not able to go yet or we don't really need to risk him hurting that ankle further, let's get Lincoln some snaps. Um, either way I think it was a a positive to get get Lincoln in there so the you know it's it's what you want to do against a Michigan State team that has uh, really struggled this year and and the Buckeyes handled their business like I said I think it was the most complete game Ohio State had played this year
0: positive games for for both Michigan and Ohio State this weekend Uh, Patrick will be talking next week uh, on on game week Uh, so we'll we'll have a lot of fun next week breaking down the matchup but Patrick Murphy, he is uh, over at Bucknuts, part of our twenty four seven sports network. You can follow him on Twitter or X at underscore pat underscore Murphy. Patrick, you've done a great job all year uh, breaking down this Ohio State team, taking us through all the storylines, and we are just seven days away uh, from from game week, from from preparing for this showdown that's been three hundred and sixty five days in the making, and it looks like on paper, it's going to live up to. Anything that anyone would have hoped for. It's going to be a fun one. Patrick, thank you so much. Enjoy your week and we'll talk to you soon.
2: All right. Sounds good.
0: And that's going to do it for this week's episode of Behind Enemy Lines. We have a lot more content over at the Michigan Insider. That's michigan.247sports.com. It's a busy time of year. Probably the busiest time of year. It is championship season for the football program. It is basketball season, men's and women's. It is hockey season. It is recruiting season. And at least for Michigan right now, it is court and legal appearance season. Check out the Michigan Insider because it's all there. Uh, And we are updating that regularly with the latest intel, the latest information. We are everywhere, right? We are at high schools for recruiting. I will be at the courthouse on Friday morning and then catching a flight to be in College Park by Friday evening in time for that Saturday afternoon football game. This is what we do, and we do it in large part thanks to you guys. And it, thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. This would not be as fun. This would not be as meaningful if people didn't care. Uh, but enough of me soliloquizing. Thank you so much for listening to Behind Enemy Lines. I'll talk to you next week.